Ready? It's good to see you here this morning. I have uh, been sick, and I know some of you have been sick, and it's good to see you, and I'm so happy that you're here. It's good to have the Myers with us today, and both, Chris and his beautiful wife, and Ralph and Sharon. It's just good to have you. The two kids, oh, they're growing up. One of the things that you, happens when you get sick when you're my age, you are reminded just how finite we are, that you don't last long, and you realize how fast time goes. And I look at these kids, and I just stand amazed that we move, are moving this fast. Good to have you here, and I don't know whether you noticed Ron and Patty are sick again, and so sorry about that. We have been talking about the Ten Commandments and trying to do what Jesus did, I believe, in Matthew 5. And that is he set out to fulfill Scripture. And we are trying to give the full meaning of what was being said as we go over the Ten Commandments and we get the spirit of what was taught. Because the Bible tells us that we are not living by the legal specifications of that, but rather by the spirit of the whole thing. And he tells us that we fulfill all of this whenever we truly love God and love each other. So we're talking today about the Sabbath day. And in Exodus, the 20th chapter, verse 8 through 11, he said, remember, and that's a wonderful word when you think about it, because isn't that what Jesus said as he instituted the Lord's Supper that we are to remember what he did? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work, you, your son or daughter, your male or female, servant, your livestock, or the resident alien who is within your city gates. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them in six days. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy." I want you to see as we study this is rest is not ceasing to work. It's enjoying life's cares. It's enjoying the things that God has provided and coming to recognize that he is the creator. God himself, when it says he rested, he made something for man. And it is what we refer to as recreation or recreation is sometimes they needed to reflect upon what God has done. And he said for them to do that at least once a week and that was upon the seventh day. And the seventh day does not mean the Sabbath, but rather the Sabbath means rest. And it's a time to refresh and enjoy what was important. 
as Israel, all over Israel, the people sat down and enjoyed what God had provided and they had laid up on Saturday, on Friday for Saturday so that they would have plenty to eat and remember that God had given them everything. Our homes today, and that's really what our subjects are, our homes today are very restless with a world whizzing around us. It's a very busy world, and we get caught up in that world. And we need time to reflect. And of course, I am not teaching today that we keep the Sabbath day or any day holy. And yet our time is holy from the standpoint that it belongs to us and our relationship with God. All labor, and I don't care what labor you have, without rest causes problems. Have you noticed that you can overwork? Now that's pretty hard for young people today, but there are some people that are so workaholic that they don't have time for their family, and some people are so busy working with their computers and everything else, they don't have time for mom and dad. Some people are working so hard with the world and everything around it that they seldom ever think of God, and sometimes they don't even think of God. God gave them something that they were to remember, and that main thing is that he is the creator, and everything that they had came from him. And this is especially true mentally, that mentally we need to be very aware that the things that we have, the things that we enjoy, that the blessings that we have come from God. In the Old Testament, God rested because, because of this, and he appointed his chosen people a day of rest from labors. And he furnished everything that they needed, and, and they relaxed. They reflected on him and what it was to be in his rest. They were put into his rest. And because he is the creator, he takes care of them. And so as we look at this this morning, God did not make man for the Sabbath. In fact, the Bible says just the opposite, Mark 2, 27. Then he told them the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So God didn't have a day that he sat out there and said, oh, this is so special, so special, that it was for a purpose, and that was for man. It was something for man. And man entered into what God had for man in the garden. If you remember, after God created, then he made man, and then he rested. And man was put into his rest. And being in that rest, man, and you can just imagine waking up every day, and time is not really relevant for the simple reason that we don't have to rush about it. We got plenty of time. As some people say, I've got all the time in the world. And they had everything that they needed. Wouldn't it be wonderful to spend an hour in a day having breakfast, just going out and picking your breakfast and sitting down and saying, isn't this a wonderful day? And we're here, and every day we wake up, God has given it. And do you notice something, Eve? We don't have any aches or pains. We don't have any of that. Everything is beautiful. Look what God has given us. 
and what a way to live. And he had to take care and a representative of God as he went among the animals, as he went among the trees, as he took care of the garden, and this was a joyous thing. It would be a very boring thing if all we did in heaven was sit down and do nothing. But they were busy, and so he provided for them. And they gave them the work to take care of the garden, and the animals depended upon man. In fact, to the animals, man was like God. Here's the representative of God, and he's in control of everything. And food was an ample supply. You didn't have to worry about where it's going to come from, or you didn't have to worry about the weeds or any of that. And God gave Israel a day of rest. And that should be something that was wonderful. Our weekly days does not have a Sabbath. In other words, every day we work. It means that we, it means that they rested. And there were four primary days as we look at this. There were, is the creation rest, there was the spiritual rest, and then Jesus rest from the new creation, and then our final rest with Jesus. And we're going to talk about those things today. The creation rest we find over in, in Genesis, the second chapter, verses 1 through 3. He said, so the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. On the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, for on it he rested from all his work of creation. And you have to remember that this was written in the days of Moses. As Moses writes this, he says, this is why we keep the Sabbath. This because God rested on the seventh day. So God gave us the Sabbath to keep that. And God did not rest because he was tired. Many people think, boy, God got tired after he created. He ceased from his, his uh, creation work. And in John 5, 17, John responds, my father is still working and I'm working also. So God didn't quit working. He quit creating, and he hasn't added anything to this world since that time. Like a rest in a musical score. Why do you rest? It's to give emphasis to something. That's what you do in music. You rest to give emphasis to something. And he's giving emphasis to the creation that God had made. And God rested, rest was then disturbed by sin. It just ruined everything. All of the beauty that they had, all of the provision that they had, now man is going to have to labor. And so we see that the, the Sabbath disappeared. The rest for the people disappeared. And if you notice something, he gave it to them for them to realize something. In Exodus 31, 13, tell the Israelites... You must observe my Sabbath, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, so that you will know that I am the Lord who consecrates you. So once again, remember, teach it to your children. Get this in their mind. 
One of the things that we don't do today is we don't sit down with our children and teach them the things and what this reminds us of. I think that Chris could say he was pretty well raised in the church. Could you not say that? And I don't mean that he was a member whenever he was born and came in, but his parents continually kept the faith and therefore he, he started learning. And I'm sure he had questions about why do we do this? And one of the things that I can remember so well, and I think I've told this before, but when you get old, you have the privilege of doing that. Uh, I remember us picking up a little bitty boy and he was just a freckle-faced little guy and we brought him here to this congregation. This was years ago, back in the, the 1950s or so. The kids sat next to him and whenever they passed the Lord's Supper, he started to get some bread and they said, no, that's not for you. And pretty soon they passed the fruit of the vine. He said, no, that's not for you. And his mother had given him a dollar to put in the collection plate. And so when it came, they said, put your money in there. So he put it in there. And after they left, the kids said, what do you think? He said, I don't like that church at all. He said, why not? He says, well, they make you pay and you don't get to eat anything. <laughs> so, so that's the way we look. But one of the things that the kids learned, we tried to rehearse with them what the Lord's Supper, what the singing and all of this was for. To bring them into this, and he is telling them, I want you to remember this is a sign between you and me. And this great sign is that we have a relationship. In Exodus, the 31st chapter, verse 16 and 17, the Israelites must observe the Sabbath, celebrating it through their generation as a permanent covenant. It is a sign forever between me and the Israelites, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, but on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. As you think of this, we recognize that we're under a new covenant. But that does not take away the importance of the Sabbath. I want you to get this. We sometimes say, you know, the Ten Commandments, we have just about every one of them, but the Sabbath day we don't have. And the Bible doesn't teach that. We do have a Sabbath. And we need to recognize that Sabbath. The Jews invented more than a thousand different ways to break the Sabbath law. You couldn't do anything. They had misunderstood completely. And religious leaders turned a blessing into a real burden. So I want you to think about, as we think about a spiritual rest, what this means. If you notice something, a lot of the miracles that Jesus did was upon the Sabbath day. His defense was that I am the Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, he could do what he wanted to do on the Sabbath day. And he pointed out, you've got a ridiculous law about this. And what he was saying is that I have a servile 
law about this. You can't, you can't go out and make money. And this, this is a time for rest. But even you recognize that there are some works that are all right to do on the Sabbath day. One of them is that if a donkey is in the ditch, you can pull that donkey out of the ditch. All of you recognize that. The other thing is, what day does the priests work the hardest? Why, it was upon the Sabbath day. So that's not the work he's talking about. He's talking about getting gain and so on. Helping a neighbor in a good way if they're sick or so on, he was never talking about. This spiritual rest now, Jesus came along and in all this they're saying, you know, you're breaking the Sabbath, you're breaking the Sabbath. And Jesus said, I'm going to tell you what the Sabbath is. And it's a great secret so many people don't get. And he said it this way. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus Christ is our Sabbath. He is our rest. He is the one that we come to. It's not a day as such that we look at, but rather he is the one that is the fulfillment of all of my dreams. He is the fulfillment of everything and he is the creator of the world. He is the one that made everything. Everything was made by him, through him, and for him. And therefore, he said, if you come to me, you're going to know what the Sabbath is all about because I am the Sabbath. I am the rest. If you come into me, you will get the rest that you need. Isn't that what rest is about spiritually? That if I get peace in my mind, if I get the joy in me, my heart, if I get all of this in me, I can say I have it all. Now, I would love for my body to catch up, and the body will on the day of redemption. That day the body will be redeemed and we will arise. Now don't ask me what the body's going to be like because I don't know. But I know that we're going to be changed and we're going to have a new body. But the mind is secure in God. All of a sudden, what I've been looking for, I have found. I found it in Jesus. And my mind is now secure. I don't need to worry anymore. Fear of death is gone. Now, there's a natural fear that man has physically, but deep inside I know that I'm all right with God. And how do I know that? If you just take 1 John, for example, and go through here, he's saying, this is how you know, this is how you know, this is how you know. And finally he said, I wrote all these things so that you might know that you have eternal life. Well, all we have to do is match ourselves up with that. And we have peace with God and with other people. If you notice something, Jesus rests after his new creation. Now the new creation is Jesus started something that we will enter into one day. But that new creation, do you remember what happened after he died and arose? In Hebrews, the 10th chapter and verse 12, but this man, after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. What's he there for? Well, he's there, Romans 6 tells us, 
in order to serve God, in order to live for God. That's what he's for. What are we for? We're there to live for God. And what is he doing there? Is he resting? Well, he's resting from the standpoint that he has entered into that place that is going to be the return of all of that that we missed from the very beginning. In fact, if you look at Acts the third chapter, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time there, but in Acts the third chapter, he says that we're waiting. He's going to sit at the right hand of God until the restoration of all things. And the restoration of all things simply means that now man is going to be with Jesus doing what was supposed to be done. And on the new heavens and the new earth, we're going to be ruling with Christ. That's in Hebrews, the second chapter. His creative work was done. He had everything in order. He reveals everything that man is to do. And a new world is started and this new world, he says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And that's the exact wording in the Greek. He is a new creation. The old has passed away and see, the new has come. In other words, we're living in a new world that is there. He is in that new world. Do you know when Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, people have an idea that he took a hammer and a saw and went up there, started building something. But what he has built has been eternally there. God has, before ever he started anything, heaven is prepared for a prepared people. And it was built. So what did he mean? I go to prepare a place for you. And if you remember, he said, unless I go, I can't build that place. The Holy Spirit was going to come. And the church is the building of God. It is the new habitation of God. And so you and I are that creation. In Colossians, the second chapter, verse 13 through 17, and when you were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcisionary flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken away by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them in him. Therefore, don't let anyone judge you in regard to food or drink or in the matter of a festival or of a new moon or of a Sabbath day. These are shadow of what was to come. The substance is Christ. So he says, you have come into something and you are now in a covenant rest with God. How do we get in that covenant rest? Well, isn't this what he said about the Lord's Supper? He said that this is the covenant that I'm making. My blood. That's my blood, my covenant. It's the covenant. And we're also in a covenant for the future. There are no physical days now. Let me make that clear. That is called the Sabbath. In Galatians 4, 8 through 11, he says, but in the past, 
since you didn't know God, you were enslaved to things that by nature are not God's. But now, since you know God, or rather have become known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elements? Do you want to be enslaved to them all over again? You are observing special days, months, seasons, and years. I am fearful for you that perhaps my labor for you has been wasted in vain. Do you realize something? We are headed somewhere and we get entangled with all of these things. Do you remember we have a final rest also? In Hebrews, the fourth chapter, verse 1 through 11, Therefore, since the promise to enter his rest remains, let us beware that none of you be found to have fallen short. Now remember, the rest of God is that you and I will be provided everything that we need in that rest. When we enter into that final day, that final place, going into heaven, this new world that God's talked about, that Christ is already there, that you and I are now going to have everything provided for us. And will we work? Well, of course we will. For we also have received the good news just as they did, but the message they heard did not benefit them since they were not united with those who heard it in faith. For we who have believed enter the rest in keeping with what he has said. So I swore in my anger, they will not enter my rest, even though his works have been finished since the foundation of the world. And for somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in this way. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his works. Again, in that passage, he says, they will never enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news did not enter because of disobedience, he again specifies a certain day. Today, he specified this speaking through David after such a long time. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. Therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for God's people for the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works, just as God did from his. Let us then make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. God says, I have something prepared for you. It's there for you to enter into. I don't think sometimes that we really think about these things that we think about this rest that God has for us. What a wonderful thing it is. I want to just talk in the last little while about this. Our day to work and worship collectively. It's not a regular kind of Sabbath. We have relaxed spiritually because we're in Christ. But this is a day that we come together some people would say it's a work. I say it's a pleasure. And we need to make worship time. Now listen to me. Everything is getting in the way of worship. 
If relatives come, I have to stay home with the relatives. If my toe hurts, I have to stay home. Do you remember what he said in Hebrews 10, 24, and 25? And let us watch out for one another. Did you get that? We say, well, they won't even miss me. Let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works. How do you do that? Mike, what have you done? Have you talked to somebody about the Lord? What have you learned in the scripture today? How can you share that with everybody else? Do we question one another that way? Do we really communicate with one another or are we so busy with all everything else that we have no time to really talk with one another and ask the question, are you growing? What have you learned this week? How are you progressing? What are you doing to help somebody else? Not neglecting to gather together. Now I want you to see something. If family comes and I stay at home, am I neglecting my brothers and sisters? Could I take those people with me to church? Or could I say I will be back in an hour and a half or two hours or whatever it is? I've noticed we have limited things in our day. I think Ralph and Sharon can probably remember, and I know Paige can remember, and, and some of the rest of you may remember. We used to go to gospel meetings that lasted at least a week, if not longer. Do you remember that? A whole week. A whole week. Every night we went, and twice on Sunday. And now we're down to the, we've got a weekend. We have two or three days. We don't have time. We don't have time. Some people have a habit of doing this, he says. And when you get a habit, you will finally get an addiction. You practice the habit long enough, you'll get the addiction to where church, the services, the coming together, the encouraging one another, just being there, is a thrill for me and I'm going to sing, I'm going to pray, I'm going to do all of these things and I'm going to encourage the one that's bringing the lesson, I'm going to encourage the ones that are listening, I'm going to encourage even if I have to repeat it twice like Gary did this morning. <laughs> Why can't we get this? And it's not because, I do not think this at all that you're trying to neglect what I've said. It's because we neglect what God said. That's where the problem is. And he says, all the more. You come together and all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, I'm afraid we don't see the day approaching. And I believe that day is coming. The manner is Jesus is going to come back again. And that day is going to come as a surprise. And we're called before the judgment seat, but I can't go because I've got company. And I can't go because I just, not in the mood today. Everybody gets in the mood. You know what? 
My kids were never in the mood whenever we were, when they got at a certain age. But they got in the mood because we just didn't give them a choice. Special time of the day. On the first day of the week, we assembled to break bread. And the Apostle Paul stayed there so that he could break bread with the brethren at Troas. Do you realize that many people, when they leave and go somewhere, they don't go to church? Ah. And to hear Paul speak. You know, it doesn't have as much force when you say, we went to church today, we had the Lord's Supper, and we heard Mason speak. No, that doesn't have the force. They heard Paul speak. And many thought Paul was a very poor speaker. But they wanted to hear him. And I don't know what time services started, but the Bible says he was long preaching. He was long speaking. One of them even fell out the window, you mean, remember. We're lucky if we can last an hour. We're very lucky. I said all this to say this. Your home is where it all begins. In Isaiah 38, 19, the living, only the living, can thank you as I do today. A father will make your faithfulness known to children. I want my children to have a relationship with God. I want my grandchildren to have a relationship with God. But before that can happen, I have to have a relationship with God. And do you know what? If you're having problems in your family, something is wrong with your relationship with God. Now, I don't mean you don't get aggravated, because you do. But that's what families do. And they love each other. Jesus arose on the first day of the week. He appeared to his disciples on the first day of the week. The church began on the first day of the week. They laid by in store on the first day of the week. And this is a time to treasure, to get away from the world, to get refreshed, to be able to go out into the battle that we're in. If you're here this morning and have never obeyed the gospel of Christ, why don't you do that right now? Why don't you come believing with all your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that God sent him for you. You are special in God's sight. Repent of your sins, confess him to be the Christ, and be baptized for the remission of your sins as you enter into the death of Christ, the blood of Christ. And live faithfully to God. If you've walked away from God, come on home while together we stand and sing.